You're listening to WP Radio. I'm your host, Terry Doherty. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be putting out one episode per day of our live interviews from the OIAA Claims Conference that was held in downtown Toronto. We had such a fun time there, meeting everybody and interviewing our guests. These were all smaller interviews, so we're going to do our advertisement first and then have the entire interview all in one chunk. This episode is brought to you by Osgood Professional Development. Osgood's upcoming program, Successful Advocacy in Insurance Mediations, will be held on February 21st and 22nd in downtown Toronto. Chaired by Frank Gomberg and Paul Torrey, leading a faculty of over 20 distinguished counsel and mediators, it will provide you with tools that will improve every mediation you appear on. Join in person or by live webcast and learn more at osgoodpd.ca forward slash insurance. This episode is with Sam Codsey of Codsey Forensic Engineering. Please enjoy. All right, it's uh, Terry Doherty. We're here with WP Radio, and I have Sam Codsey of Codsey Forensic Engineering. Uh, Sam, uh, thank you very much for being on WP Radio Live here today at the OIAA Claims Conference. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Uh, Sam, um, I, I just, um, I've known you for a long time, and for those people that don't know you, can maybe Tavi talk about what Codsey uh, Forensic Engineering does? We're um, a full-size forensic engineering firm. We uh, specialize in uh, investigating uh, motor vehicle crashes, personal injury incidents, uh, but we also do some structure failure analysis as well. Okay, uh, Sam, um, let's talk about the accidents. So do you do biomechanics or do you just deal with the, the actual impact to the vehicle? What, it, what, is, what do you guys do? Um, for the field of crash reconstruction, we're quite well diversified and uh, we have biomechanists who have their masters or PhDs in biomechanics, uh, forensic injury biomechanics. Uh, we also have a lot of our experts who attended human factors and driver behavior and response uh, research and courses and studies. So uh, we do the full aspect of crash reconstruction that involves the dynamics, the reconstruction of the vehicle speeds, the, the downloading of uh, black box data, interpretation of black box data, EDR data, uh, but also the research analysis and the biomechanics or the driver behavior and response. Well, th that's quite interesting. Let's talk about that data, that data that you guys get from the vehicles, um, because that's changing, right, from what I understand with uh, autonomous vehicles? Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, um, how do you guys stay on the forefront and stay on top of all that? Because with that changing, it seems like it's changing on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, I'm going next year to, uh, sorry, next month uh, to SA side of Automotive Engineers. Maybe I'll have even more uh, fresh information for you then. Um, we go there to attend Congress and Exposition. I'm publishing three papers in, in this particular one. But quite often, this is where we attend other um, seminars by uh, more um, uh, well-in-the-know researchers by manufacturers or, or um, uh, that are actually right in the forefront of putting in these equipment in, in the vehicles and interested in more of the data that's coming from them for the future of autonomous vehicles. Now, are we seeing uh, more AV-type vehicle crashes out there, or are we seeing less? What do you think? Are we going to see, with the technology, do you think we're going to see more crashes until it gets, you know, to a certain level, or are we going to see less? We're, gonna, we're already starting to see less. 
we're, we're going to see less crashes with uh, uh, driver assistance, and we're going to see even lesser crashes right up to uh, autonomy. So would you think if they have full autonomy in place, do you think we're going to have uh, the end of crashes? Do you think that's going to ever be a day? I don't think there'll ever be an end to, to crashes altogether, but they will be reduced very, very significantly, um, especially as you remove the steering wheel and the brakes. As long as you have a steering wheel and a brake pedal, you're going to have human-related crashes over the next five to ten years. But once these are removed, your, your crash rates are going to go very much in the single digits. So uh, once we get rid of human intervention, is what you're saying, once we take the human factor out, Correct. It's been well recognized by researchers that 94% uh, of crashes are a result of human error. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah. okay. I didn't know it was that high. Okay, so 94%, that's, that's quite a lot. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some other parts that uh, CODSI Forensic and Engineering does. So um, let's talk about, you know, the biomechanics, the person inside the car being moved around during an accident. Um, do you guys focus a lot on that. Yeah, we do quite a bit of research and, and analysis and biomechanics related cases in which we're not just looking at the vehicle and reconstructing what happened to the vehicle, but we're interested in the valuable cargo inside of obviously the occupants in the vehicle. And is it easy to tell that or to figure that out? Uh, the biomechanics, is there, is there telltale signs that you know, we should, you'd be able to see? Yeah, in some straightforward cases, the, the biomechanics is straightforward. For example, uh, in a pure frontal crash, the occupant will move forward towards the area of impact and will load their seat belts. And if they're not wearing a seat belt, sometimes they will contact the interior. And there will be evidence of that contact with the interior that we would see later. Uh, on the other hand, more complex crashes that would involve rotations or rollovers, the biomechanics, the movements inside might involve translations and rotations that are very complex. So when you get that rollover, that changes everything, I'm assuming, right? Or are the change in direction of the vehicle, so it's being spun around? That, that makes it more complex, I would assume. For sure, it increases the, the, the complexity of the mechanics, the rotations and accelerations on the occupant and the vehicle. So, um, and is there, is there certain things that you can tell again within the car? Because I know you talked about loading marks, so I'm assuming you're talking about the loading marks on the seatbelt itself, right? Or on the body? Correct, loading marks. The, the, the same body that would be loaded would load the seatbelt with an equal and opposite force, and it would load the webbing of the seatbelt, the fabric, and it would stretch it slightly even. Uh, but it would also create these load marks on the D-ring of, of the seatbelt, uh, and maybe even cause local wear and tear and rubbing and melting on it. So you can tell it, the, the movement within the, the seatbelt itself? Correct, you can establish the movement within the Can you get seat. someone's height and weight based on that, or so, you, can you get close to it? To, to reverse engineer the, somebody's height and weight out of that is, is, um, uh, is not something that's routinely done, which is actually one of the things that is recorded now by most EDRs. That they record if the seat is empty or if it has a child or a medium-sized occupant or even a full-size occupant in it. And that's so it does do that. So the, the, the data is actually being recorded within that in, in the computer, and it's, it's, it's holding that information? Yeah, the, the, the amount of information that we've seen that go into black boxes has, has went from basically nothing where it was an energy reserve module, and then it went to record one event and onto six events, and now we're getting all of these sensors and data into them. Uh, they're almost uh, telling us that they're going to be the brains of the autonomous vehicle with the amount of 
uh, sensor information that's gathered, they're even recording collision mitigation status and activity. Now, are you guys having a, uh, any issues or problems dealing with um, the types of vehicles that are being involved in these accidents? And what I mean is, so it, prepar proprietary information, you know, or are you having problems getting that download or is it, you know, is it being made available through the regular forces, GM, Ford, those kind of companies? Are they still giving it out the way they used to? Um, most manufacturers now, I would say about 95% of them, have allowed public access through, through um, a, a tool. Um, and even the ones that haven't allowed public access to a tool, um, we have access to proprietary tools that we could download them with. So you can get basically all the information you need at this point? Yeah, pretty much all new vehicles we can access uh, the EDR or black box up. Okay. Um, and, and let's talk about some other things that you guys do at Kodzi. So, so um, similar to motor vehicle crashes, some of the areas that we do a lot of research and, and analysis of include uh, personal injury incidents like uh, slip and falls and, and trip and falls. And we go beyond the, just the basic, the code compliance or whatnot. We, we go out and we would do testing or tribometry testing, coefficient of friction or slip index testing. So and you'll do that right on site, the slip index testing on the, the actual loss location. Correct, correct. So uh, in that way, we compare the, the surface to a standard and, and we uh, can address s slippery conditions or, or lack thereof. And... Uh, is, is that a changing technology or is that, is that again, is, is there technology that's, is that evolving or is that kind of the, the same technology that was there 10 years ago is there today? Yeah, that has evolved as well. The field of, uh, uh, for example, slip testing, you know, which is sometimes called tribology or tribometry, the measurement of friction and wear, um, it has changed a lot in the old days. Um, friction was measured just by putting two surfaces against each other and you can use uh, a drag sled or a coulomb type friction to measure uh, against each other. But there's now more complex, very uh, specialized machinery and equipment that's calibrated and designed, for example, to emulate the foot movement on a wet surface or to emulate the dynamics of, of how a foot might slip over uh, a slippery condition. Now, it's funny you use those words, a drag sled. Now, when you're testing the, f the friction on uh, the road surface for a vehicle, do you use a drag sled yourself or do you use the other way? No, we, we stopped using the drag sled decades ago. We now use um, a high-speed data acquisition system, GPS and accelerometer-based data acquisition system to more uh, closely model and uh, uh, replicate the the real accelerations and forces experienced by the vehicle during its braking process because a drag sled um, does not really model that well and it's been addressed in literature quite well. Now, um, you find the police service still uses a drag sled though? Very rarely. I think a lot of them have also advanced. Have they evolved as well? So they've advanced. gone away from the typical uh, drag sled that they used to use with the, the fish weight when I took the course through the um, police, it was a drag sled, yeah. but it was many years ago. Yeah, we, we have one in the office that sits as an antiquity. We've used it maybe to, <laughs> to drop it on soda cans for fun, but we don't actually use it to measure friction anymore. We understand that, that the dynamics are more complex than just two surfaces being rubbed on each other and measuring uh, the ratio of the normal force divided by the weight. Wow, that's interesting. So, that's, so the information I have is outdated. Go figure. Um, so let's talk about some other stuff then. Uh, what, what, 
you know, what's keeping you busy personally these days? Uh, trials. Yeah? We, Doing we, a lot of trials, Sam? Yeah, some, some, some trials. Uh, quite often our evidence um, um, is um, requested a trial where we support our report and go through our findings, analysis, and, and comment about um, uh, our uh, conclusions and our opinions on how we reach them. So, I, and I've asked this of other experts, I'm going to ask it of you. Do you specifically only work for insurers? No. Do you work for plaintiff? Yes, I do. Okay, and, uh, and do you think that makes you a better engineer working for both sides? Well, I don't think it, it on its own makes me a better engineer, but I think it's, it's uh, good to have an open mind to see what the evidence shows, and the report would be the same either way at the end of the day. Uh, so as per you know, Rule 53, as long as we're objective, nonpartisan, and giving evidence that's within our area of expertise, we're basically there to assist the courts as, as it needs. So the evidence speaks for itself, regardless of who it's speaking for? Correct. Okay. I, and, and I really like that, and I, and I, I like that about experts, uh, because you find in the U.S. you've got a lot of hired guns, right? They either work for plaintiff or they work for defense, whereas I find in Canada we have our experts seem to work for both sides of the fence. Yeah, most, for the most part. We actually do work not just for um, uh, plaintiff and defense, but we do work for government agencies as well. Independent and, and, and what would you do for a government agency? What would that kind of entail? So um, it, it might be a police force that would be interested in us looking at something separately, or it might be an ambulance or, 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 or transit service or otherwise that would want us to look at things independently. So where they've been called into a claim, you mean, or...? Yeah, whether we're called into a claim or trying to avoid a claim from happening. So yeah. more of a loss prevention even? Yes. Okay. Um, and have you ever, and, and you don't have to give me any specific circumstances, have you worked for the police force where you've been called in to actually look at accidents that they've been looked at from a criminal side on the, the civil side? Very much so. Yeah, and is that a common occurrence? But quite common, yes. Yeah? Yes. yes. Um, and, in, and, and I know you're Ontario-based personally, but... I, I got to assume you do work across the country. Yeah, we do work across the country. We have Winnipeg and Fredericton-based um, presence as well. Okay, and uh, let's talk about your staff and your office. How? What's the complement of your staff, Sam? Um, we're about 50-50. 50% of us are, are experts and 50% of us are uh, uh, support staff or uh, experts that are supporting other experts as well. So... Um, we, we have about eight disciplines, eight distinct disciplines from mechanical engineering, materials engineering, civil. All right, well, let's go through yeah, those. Sure. So you've got eight. So what are the eight? So uh, the first discipline that we rely on all of us is physics. So we have at least a couple of physicists on staff. Okay. Um, including Sammy Shager from our office. The um, other disciplines include engineering disciplines, so it would be mechanical, myself. Uh, my background is mechanical engineering and materials, such as uh, Shadia or uh, uh, claims uh, direct, or sorry, uh, technical claims um, uh, director. The uh, other disciplines would include civil engineering, like Cheryl and Ken from our office. They deal with roadways and structures and uh, sidewalks and ramps and signage. Now, when you say sidewalks and bridges and ramps, are you talking about the actual surface of it or the failure of a bridge or something, or it can be a combination of both? Usually, it would be the general topography, the lay of the land. and 
So for like an, like an, an off-ramp or whatever, whether for it was designed off, properly? For an off-ramp or an exit or, or otherwise, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Signage leading up to it, et cetera. And so when you say signage, do you mean it meets compliance for requirements for signage or it's too close to the road or it's blocking something? What do you mean in that way? In, in all contexts, so whether it meets, uh, let's say, the appropriate, whether it's book seven or the, the appropriate book for signage, but also uh, for clear zone, it's it's proximity to the edge of the travel, to the road, roadway, etc. Okay. Yeah. And, and so there. What else you got there? Other disciplines in our office that we, we have are uh, biomechanical uh, engineers who basically have had their masters or PhD in biomechanics or tissue biomechanics. Uh, uh, another one would be computer and electrical engineer like Rick from our office who uh, specialize in, in interrogating data, not, not just from EDRs, but also informatic systems and, and, and other uh, uh, hidden uh, sensors in your vehicle other than just the black box, which is designed for the uh, airbags. So I'm hearing this more from engineers, this informatics. This is, uh, this is kind of new though, right? It's, is it because of we've got the Bluetooth technology and you're getting all that other data that we typically didn't get before? Well, it's, it's not necessarily just a Bluetooth technology. It's basically anything that's attached to your, your vehicle, whether your cell phone or, 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 uh, or uh, navigation device or TomTom Garmin, but also the vehicle onboard informatic system that might include GPS data, path records, um, and um, as well as uh, phone calls coming in and out in, in, uh, in the process of, for example, en route to uh, a loss. So timing as well. That will that record that as well. So you'll have those all those times recorded. Correct. These are typically recorded in the vehicle's informatic systems if they're interrogated. Oh, okay. And, and what else you got there? So besides the, uh, the the vehicle EDR and the informatics, there's also a plethora of other vehicle systems that may contain information. For example, even the engine power control module referred to the PCM. When the engine light comes on, typically it would record a code, an error code, and we can often um, dig and, and mine for what that code is and find out what the engine trouble code might have been at the time of a loss. So there's certainly a plethora of, of, of information uh, from different vehicle sources. Uh, ideally for us, they would be somehow centralized on a silver platter, but that's not the case. So we're not typically just talking about the old acceleration and braking it's, it's everything else in between as well now. Correct, and even collision mitigation if the vehicle is equipped with such, it would tell us if it was engaged or not engaged, it would tell us if it activated or didn't activate, and, and if it was able to mitigate a crash. Wow, okay. Well, that's been a lot of information in a short period of time, and I really appreciate your time today. Sam, how do we reach you? How do we get uh, Kodzi Forensic Engineering? We try to keep our website up to date and keep information uh, um, uh, current. Even our latest research, whatever it is, we'll share our knowledge and expertise right on our website. So how do we contact you, though? How do we get in touch with you? CodzyEngineering.com. CodzyEngineering.com. And how about a toll-free number? Do you guys have a toll-free number there? Yeah, we do. It's uh, right here, if you don't mind if I look for it. Actually, I don't have it memorized, but um, our so toll number is 416-977-0009. So 977-0009 in the 416. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Sam, for your time today. We appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate your support with the OIAA. Thank you very much, Terry. 
All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to our live series on WP Radio. We'll have another episode or installment for you later in the week. Please check in with us. And if you have any questions, please email me at terry at oiaa.com. And we'll talk with you soon. Are you an insurance adjuster actively adjusting claims? If so, we want you. The OIAA is a professional organization currently consisting of 1,800 claims professionals with its main focus on education, networking, and knowledge. We promote and maintain a high standard of ethics among insurance claims professionals. We work together with government departments and officials, governing bodies, members of other organizations, insurance companies, associations and fraternities, as well as the general public in matters connected with the business of insurance and insurance claims. We recognize the value of networking for education, advocacy, advancing professional standards, and offering mutual support. We provide networking, professional development, inside industry news, and support to insurance adjusters across Ontario. By joining our network of active and associate members, you receive a direct introduction to other members, our Without Prejudice magazine delivered to your door, discounts for all social and professional development events, knowledge from mixing with seasoned, experienced adjusters and with new up-and-coming professionals, and satisfaction knowing that you are an active participant in shaping claims adjustment and risk management services in Ontario. Most compelling of all is the price. Just for $50 a year plus HST, the value far outweighs the fee. Can you afford not to join us? please visit our website to become a member and to review our calendar of events at www.oiaa.com.